Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall. I'm here with my guys, Robbie Fauci and Mike Guillory tonight. What's going on, fellas? Man, not too much. Just here, happy to speak some sneakers with the fellas. I'm chilling, having a great night, looking at shoes I shouldn't buy. Going to be a great day. Yeah, I mean, you got you got a you, you got a new a new pad you're moving into, so you're gonna have more room for for more shoes, right? Oh yeah, dude, just line <laughs> it with boxes, left to right, up and down. More space, more problems. That's a- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Normally, we uh, read off a review from iTunes. Unfortunately, this week we don't have a new one, so uh, we're just gonna ask you if you got a few minutes to hop over to iTunes, leave us a review. Just give us some some feedback, good or bad, doesn't matter. We just want your feedback to kind of help us grow the podcast and and kind of understand if you're enjoying it and whatnot. Um, also, if you're really, really about this podcast with us, uh, check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash sneaker history. We do additional episodes on the Patreon page um, and random content throughout the week. And you can be a part of that for as low as five bucks a month so if you feel like buying us a cup of coffee five bucks just sign up for our patreon we'd be greatly appreciative of it nick don't be lying to these people a cup of coffee to you the amount of cup of coffee you drink probably closer to like 50 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, d- I did buy a coffee from uh from phil's which is one of my favorite coffee spots and I don't know what I did differently, but it ended up coming to like five dollars and fifty cents. And what? I don't know if I like maybe normally I don't pay attention to it, but I just never thought it was that expensive. I don't know. But. Coffee, who knew? Who knew? Just on the rise. <laughs> that coffee stuff. <laughs> it's, it's new, right? It's good. A new it's thing. It's brand. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got a, we got a, a pretty good list of things to talk about tonight. But first off, we wanted to uh, kind of touch on one of the one of our Patreon members. Uh, let's see. I, th- I think I want to say that his screen name is Wawa Bao. And he I think his name is Dylan. But Dylan basically is in Hong Kong and wanted to wanted us to kind of touch on some of the stuff that's going on there. And obviously, like, it's hard to be like, it's hard for me to to get into the political stuff because I get super riled up and 
I think that, you know, I'm pretty proud of the opportunities that we have in the United States. But Dylan, as a sneakerhead fan living in Hong Kong, has pointed out a lot of the stuff that's been going on over there in terms of the sneaker world for the past, few, you know, couple of weeks for us. You know, the, the protests in Hong Kong have been going on for, what, five months now, going on five months now. From my understanding, Hong Kong has always, you know, been pretty much an independent city state of China. And there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on, you know, from from a legal standpoint, trying to add a law that people could be basically extradited to mainland China and, and prosecuted there for crimes, which that in itself seems really odd from, you know, like, like my kind of American perspective. Um, I just don't see, I, you know, I would probably be one of the people in the streets protesting that just because it seems like they've had a pretty good run and pretty successful type of country, city, state, whatever you want to call it. And Vans had a, had a design contest that started a few weeks back and they ended up pulling one of the most popular designs off of the contest, which, you know, it's a, it's a contest that they run here in the United States as well. I think their thinking is that like we pull the, you know, and who knows if it's the Chinese government forcing that or not, but it's basically Vans custom culture. Um, and the design was featured a, like a yellow umbrella and protesters wearing gas masks on it. And it had over a hundred thousand votes and now Vans took down the entry. So essentially, you know, that riled up people and obviously people are kind of boycotting vans now and you know they're they're just basically in a very tough situation you know if you're a basketball fan you've seen the stuff that's been going on ever since you know Daryl Morey of the Rockets said something on Twitter about the protests and you know the NBA has obviously a massive they invest a lot of energy and um time into and have for decades in order to make China a large fan base of the league. So it's tough because the, the, it's continuing to kind of boil over from the NBA. So like most recently, I think, uh, well, maybe not even most recently. I know that uh, James Harden was kind of put on the spot and, you know, he said, we love China. We love the fans, blah, blah, blah. And that came across as, you know, kind of dismissive to, Hong Kong and the, what's going on and the, you know, all of the police, police brutality and all of the other, you know, kind of like dictatorship type things that are being thrown at these Hong Kong protesters. And, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of back and forth and it's tough because as Americans, we are really lucky to have the freedom to say that we don't like the president or, you know, we don't like, you know, particular people, whatever, without too much repercussion, you know, like I say that in a very <laughs> cautious way, because there are a lot of things that can be said that, that definitely don't, don't get like dismissed under the freedom, under the banner of freedom of speech, but we do really have, have it lucky in the United States. So I think it is important to talk about this and, you know, there's been a lot of other things, you know, Adam Silver basically stood up for, kind of tried to be, you know, play the middle ground originally and then, you know, said that he stands up for Maury's freedom of speech. But obviously the that whole thing with Maury has turned into another just a, a cascading event of 
of backlash on both sides. You know, like the Americans, we want to see everyone have the freedom of speech that we have. And, you know, obviously in China, they don't want to have to deal with Hong Kong's, you know, protests. And they have been very, in my opinion, very outside the lines as far as trying to rule that country and trying to like force their way upon a city state that doesn't want to live the same way that mainland China lives. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think about this whole debacle? Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't think I'm super informed enough to make a, like a, a huge statement on it, but I think it's just nuts though that, you know, something that's typically meant to bring people together, basketball, sports, has now become like the great divider as, as of late when it comes to China and Hong Kong. And it's it's nuts to see that you got to a point they're not going to show in NBA games. There were when they're typically hundreds and thousands of fans waiting for the NBA players, NBA players to get there. Um, whenever they play any preseason games, they're due to tours there. They were just like they were saying there's maybe like dozens. And they were like happy to see the players, but as soon as the cameras would come around, they would hide their faces so they wouldn't get in trouble by the government by supporting the NBA. And it's just so nuts. It's 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 crazy that again a game from you know what one tweet can do from a general manager who's you know you know thousands of miles away, and it's it's crazy how the domino effect. It's really interesting how. The Hong Kong China deal, the one country, two systems, that's like kind of what they're arguing over, um, is set to expire in 2047. So it's getting this heated, and China's willing to react swiftly to just about anything like 30 years before anything really comes to it, like has to come to a head. So imagine how this is going to escalate over the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. It's only going to get worse. Um, it's, it's really scary to see China flexing this kind of muscle over Daryl Morey. Like that's just, it's so odd. It's striking to Americans because, you know, our president can say, grab him by the hoo-hoo in another word. And nothing happens. But in China, you say the wrong thing in public and it can get you taken away in the night. Like we we quickly forget with by the amount of business we do with China, how how like communist it is still. It's a dictatorship. Like it's not there's no like it's not American free press. Like it's the complete opposite. It may look similar in terms of like you know, GDPs and like money moving, but China and America could not be more different. So it's going to be interesting to see how not only NBA businesses, because yeah, teams are businesses, um, how they handle scrutinizing the tweets and comments of their players, whom are also employees. Nike does a lot of business in China, how top let's say that's regardless of sport, they make a comment about Hong Kong as a Nike athlete. It'll be interesting to see how that looks. So 
as the decades increase and get closer to 2047, it's going to be scary to see how American freedom of speech is affected by Chinese dollars and like where those two collide. It's going to be scary interesting. It's really like another level. You know, I think it's it's kind of crazy. So so Dylan just sent over another another link. Uh, we're not actually recording this live for anyone, but the timing on this couldn't be better. So he just sent over another link <laughs> uh, talking about Nike and LeBron. Well, basically saying that, you know, LeBron came out and and said, I don't want to give in get into any verbal feud with Daryl Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on the situation at hand and he spoke. Uh, and so many people could have could have been harmed not only financially physically emotionally spiritually so just be careful what we tweet and say and we do even though yes we do have freedom of speech that there can be a lot of negative that comes with that too uh, you know i think and and you know hearing lebron say something like that it just you know there's just so much money involved for these big companies and these big athletes and you know they don't they don't want to mess that up and they're trying to tiptoe around a very sensitive subject and you know like i have a handful of friends that live in hong kong so i'm obviously i fall on the opposite side of that i don't want to like get too crazy on the podcast but i really do believe that there's a lot of good things going on in hong kong that can't happen in mainland china and i think that you know it's it's tough because i can speak out about it here but I don't have any financial ties to, you know, China or, or anything like that. So, you know, if the podcast gets shut down in the next you know week or two, then you know what happened, but you know, it's just one of those crazy things. And I think, you know, Mike, you mentioned before we started recording, I don't think that people understand how deeply, how deep the ties are throughout the NBA, you know, and, and mentioning the, you know, the fact that you go to rockets game and you see, Chinese advertisements with the Rockets. Oh, yeah. I think that's that's the that's the the kind of key point of the NBA's issues is that Daryl Morey is he's kind of always been uh, I guess like an outsider in terms of like traditional NBA guys. You know, he didn't play in the league or anything. He's more just a data driven manager. Um, which you know, for better or worse, I think that it's cool to try those things as a business to to have different types of thinking and, and leadership. But I also think that that backfired for them in terms of their partnerships, because they, they he's got to recognize that whatever he says is going to be scrutinized being like one of the top people in the organization. At the same time, I totally support him saying that and believe the same things. And, you know, I don't have to worry about financial, you know, backlash or any kind of partnerships that exist there where, you know, we're kind of in a really weird spot with this. And I think everybody's overly sensitive, partially because of obviously this situation is very, you know, tough for people in Hong Kong and sensitive for both sides. And hopefully there's a way for them to get to a point where it's it's not all this like chaos in the streets and, and people are actually talking and and coming to an understanding but you know like like you said Robbie it's you know it's going to be another 20 years of chaos in from the looks of it because they are two totally different beliefs on how the world should be China don't play that game 
China's not yeah. going to talk about shit. <laughs> I mean, let's, and, and that's, and that's why it's so valiant and awesome that the people of Hong Kong are like sticking up mad early because China's going to be about that invasion life. Like, I mean, just looking at how the world turns and the world's a dark, messed up place and a lot of avenues outside of shoes. And it's scary. So like power to the people out there. What's increasingly scarier is that LeBron comment, because again, U.S. freedom of speech, U.S. soil, U.S. people, he's very outspoken against the president and pretty much anything that LeBron feels like he needs to talk about. He exercises his, you know, I guess even more in 2019 is Twitter, you know, freedom of speech because everything's in tweet now. Uh, He exercises that right regularly and always has. LeBron's never really shied away from a conversation in terms of like American social justice or American politics. But when it comes to that Chinese money, it's a little different. And I'm not hating on LeBron at all. Any athlete worth his weight in salt is, is going to tiptoe this, and as they should. But that tiptoeing is going to come from the top down, from the top of the business to whoever could say something. And that's, well, that's and scary. I think there's only one side of the coin because, because it's such a different way or, you know, different things are acceptable here and there, our freedom of speech. Cool. We'll say whatever we want about whoever we want. There's typically no backlash. But what happens is what, when people start saying what they want here about a country is not, they say, now you say not about that life. They're not, they're not going to let you just talk whatever you want to say and get away with it. it. They basically, we say something, they take it out on the people of Hong Kong. So I agree. Like LeBron's not trying to mess up his money in, in China because that's where bulk of his cash is coming from. Uh, but at the same time, I, I would hope I'm making an assumption, but I would hope with someone being as conscious as LeBron and some of these other athletes, knowing that, hey, if I say something, someone else could be getting hurt for something I said, hoping that's part of the, the reason that a lot of these guys aren't wanting to talk about this. Yeah, it, it is really interesting because if there wasn't a bigger picture for the NBA, I don't think, you know, even with LeBron, you know, tiptoeing, I don't think. I don't think he would be tiptoeing if it wasn't for the league's kind of struggles right now. I think that based on what Robbie said, based on LeBron's history of speaking out, he probably would support the Hong Kong protesters and probably would be vocal about it. But the NBA is is trying to make sure that things at least still exist in China for the league i honestly don't know if that can happen again right like the way that the chinese government has been so oppressive towards anyone that says anything negative or even mentions anything you know it, it it's not even just basketball it's not just sneakers it's happened in, in you know gaming it's happened in you know social media apps like there's all sorts of crazy stuff that's going on that for me it's just a reminder of to like be thankful for the fact that i even have the opportunity to bitch about the president of the United States without real crazy backlash, except for, you know, like the, the crazy people that show up on your Twitter feed when you go get into something. But 
I don't know. I would love to hear what people think about this. So we'll we'll put up a post uh, on the Instagram account. And if you have a thought on it, what you think, I would, I would love to know what people think of like how this is going to get ironed out, how people are going to move forward from this. Because obviously, both Hong Kong and China are, I think, very important to global culture in many different ways. There's just, I don't know, we, we don't need to get into that, but there's just so many different ways that both those places and the people of those places are important to all of us and the way that all of us move now with such a global economy. And hopefully there's some way that people can get some things figured out and kind of let the guards down to talk through what that could be. And um, I don't know, I'm just kind of just putting the energy out there, hoping that, that that's what happens. So speaking of, of someone who's made a ton of money and played in China, Alan Iverson's Reebok questions are coming back uh, in a two-tone double cross colorway. I don't know. What do you guys think of this? I mean, I always love a, a, a release of a Reebok question. This is one of those all-time shoes. I'm still pretty gun-shy when it comes to ever buying a mismatch shoe. Like, I love them. And I've already, I said they thought about trying to get them when they come out. And I think the 21st, they think they release it like 11 o'clock at night, Central Standard Time. Some weird release I read on their website. But, I mean... I don't know. I probably won't buy them because I just don't know. I, I don't know how to wear a mismatch shoe. I just be honest. Don't be afraid of the mismatch shoe. They are a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because when you look down <laughs> in your scattered brain like me, you forget what you're wearing. You're like, oh, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> I've never been able to decide mentally if I like the red toe or the blue toe more. Like my entire life, I've gone back and forth. Like which one's the better question? And now I don't have to decide. I'm not a Bach boy, though, so I don't buy Reeboks. I don't care what Reebok it is. <laughs> hashtag no Bach boy. Um, hashtag I like Bok Choy, though. Bok Choy is delicious and like a nice dish. That's good. <laughs> like <a> side note. <laughs> side note, if you're making delicious cuisine, put some Bok Choy in there. Um, but yeah, team no Bach boy. I mean, obviously, I'm a I'm a huge Allen Iverson fan. I've got way too many pairs of questions. Uh, I've probably got more pairs of questions than most people have sneakers. Unfortunately, uh, I don't I don't say that bragging. I say that to like point out how much of an idiot I am. But, <laughs> um, I just love that shoe. I just love that shoe. I love Allen Iverson. So I I'm not a fan of the two tone stuff. Honestly, I have the you know I have the red pair and I have the blue pair. So I don't really need this one. Um, it is cool to see um, that it was done. Uh, it was done by Matthew Henson, who used to be like the creative director at kind of one of the creative directors. I think I can't remember his exact title, but um, basically did like all the styling for Complex while I was there, which is super dope to see him continuing to get this opportunity. So shout out to Matthew Henson. Just if if you uh, if you don't follow him, it's just at Henson on social media he's uh definitely a really talented amazing dude when it comes to fashion so what else we got news wise anything uh we got lavar ball telling lonzo that uh he he uh, he won't sign with any other company you guys see that report i think it was uh through oh i did and i was like this is 
this is going to end up being something crazy with this family because it looks like uh, Lonzo wants to get into a, a different shoe contract, of course, after the falling out with the, the money laundering deal. And you got Melo dunking on people in Australia wearing a Weatherman KD4s. I mean, I think they should go ahead and... Man, let me tell you. LeVar Ball is like the dog next door. It's just barking all the time, but it means nothing. He's just barking at his own shadow. Like, (laughs) I bet you... I bet you the net worth of Big Baller Brand, which is about $14.95, that Lonzo's going to sign wherever Lonzo wants to sign. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, I would hope he does. Jeez, don't don't fall to that trap. Mike, maybe you can can give me some insight into this, but I don't have kids. But if I do ever have kids, if I ever do anything to make their life more difficult intentionally and repeatedly, like Lavar Ball, I hope everyone that knows me literally comes and slaps me in the face and just says, "What are you doing?" <laughs> because there's no value in him doing all this stuff just it's it's just his own ego and i cannot understand that my understanding of having a child is you love that child and for life right like i'm very lucky to have you know multiple sets of parents that you know some that you know weren't in the the having me process but have become my parent through the years and lucky to have you know whether we agree or disagree on you know politics or specific beliefs they support me and they love me regardless of that and it's like if we don't agree on things for the most part we just don't talk about those things but to have somebody that's like publicly out there basically just causing problems for their child you know not saying child in a in a demeaning way to lonzo it's his child i mean (laughs) but yeah it's like that's your kid man like Get out of the way and let him be successful. He's potentially going to be one of the best players the league's ever seen if he doesn't have to deal with all the drama that you brought to the court for the first five years of his public, you know, eight years of his public, you know, life. Oh, yeah. I think he's just trying to, he was at the point of living vicariously through his kids and they finally started to get independent and he's going to lose his mind. So we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, like I say, I think both. Both Lonzo and and Lamelo have been pretty pretty heavy into the Kobe's lately, so it wouldn't surprise me if they end up being you know those you know those Nike Kobe athletes that they like to call them. So I don't know. He's just gonna Lamar's gonna get to deal with it. I think it's crazy. Lonzo Ball making All NBA second team this year. Just saying. I, I can see that he's not in LA anymore, and he's not having that that scrutiny on him. Like his first two years, so I, I can see that he's not a terrible player by any means. Well, and I think just watching him with Zion is gonna—I mean, we've already seen how fun it is to watch these two, those two play together. It's only been like four days. Yeah, uh, it's gonna make a big difference on being in a smaller market. It's gonna be Lob City, Lob City two point Lob City, but translates into playoff wins one day, <laughs> not soon, <laughs> but. W- one one day they will get. Playoff I think they'll be. A, I think they'll be. Shout out, to, shout out to the Clippers. Man, sorry, I kind of yelled over you because I just hate the Clippers so much. I had to. <laughs> oh, no, this is fine. The, the, the Clipper hate. Get at me, Clippers, when you make a Western Conference Finals. 
Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it might happen this year. I'll like, be eating my words in nine like months. Yeah, I'm not a Clippers fan. Definitely, uh, definitely, just chop this up, save that little 10 second clip, and bring it back. <laughs> come, uh, come At Robbie, on any platform. <laughs> Let, let, let me tell you something though so how many times i'll tell you about four times where chris paul and blake griffin were top 15 players in the league chris paul was probably the best point guard when he first got to la probably the best point guard in the league even second year blake griffin mvp candidate top five a couple times when he was in la it's called being the Clippers. That's why they'll never win. It's because yeah, they are what they are. I mean, you can't change your strength. I'm not a Clippers fan, but I don't. I don't like have that much disdain towards them like you do. <laughs> but I mean, they have Kawhi now, which I mean, I hate to admit it, but he literally goes to a team. If you went to Toronto, you can't really get much. Like Toronto is always known for choking or just not getting there. He took them to the promised land. And now I feel like he's just going to go, he's going to go like to 10 teams and win a championship everywhere he goes. It's kind of ridiculous. I would take the other side of that argument because I would actually yeah. argue that Chris Paul is the reason the Clippers didn't win during those seasons. Cause I feel like, I feel like, I, mean, we don't do, so. I feel like he's, I, I, don't get me wrong. I think he's talented, but he's also one of those guys that will look up, see that there's 22 seconds on a shot clock and dribble around in circles until there's six seconds left. And that's just not what a good point guard does in my opinion. So. Yeah, they still had like 50 plus wins. They were they were right there. But Paul George is going to bust his leg up a month before the playoffs. Hey. Something's going to happen because they're, they're the Clippers. It's just something's going to happen. It's, it's a curse. So, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I don't think I don't think I can agree with you. I, I think actually this would be the year that the curse is broken. But I think it's it's really going to be like the Lakers and the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. If, poor uh, it, it, yeah, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. But, all right, so so getting away from that, the main topic that we want to talk about tonight, Still team. since the league's about to be start, what? What do we got, One like week? a week left before? I think, yeah. No, like 10 days. So, yeah. 10 days out. We want to talk about the best sneakers as a team, who had the best sneakers in, in the history of the NBA? Robbie, you want to start it out? Yeah, best sneaker teams to kind of help iterate that. So, like, not like the best player on a sneaker team or, I guess, a basketball team, but just collectively the best teams in terms of sneakers. There's going to be some in here that you're like, oh, duh, of course that team. There's going to be some here where you say, why did they leave this? X team not on this list. There's a lot of them out there in the history of the NBA. So bear with us, people. Um, I think we're going to go. We kept it all really modern. Uh, Mike, I'll actually let you throw the Rockets out there first and let's go chronologically. Well, no, I guess the Orlando Magic would be the first. Yeah. Chronologically in 94. No, I think I think you have to go a little bit further back, right? I think I think it's run TMC and the Warriors. Like, I'll see. Because you, you go got Tim Hardaway, who's wearing like the the Nike Airbound, the Nike Flight eighty nine. Uh, Mitch Richmond's wearing like the Adidas Torsion Artillery back then. Chris Mullins wearing 
uh what like the flight 89 i think he's in the i think he wore the bound too um can't i can't think of all the stuff that all of those guys wore but just off the top that's about it three yeah just the th- just those three players i mean it'd be hard to find out who else on that team was was rocking heat but it's definitely a noteworthy squad and that's what 90 like 89 90 right 89 90 91 they were there so Correct. As we were kind of compiling some of this data, let's get really official with it. Um, it's harder to really start mentioning people outside the team's best three players. Sometimes there's a fourth star or a notable personality or something. But by and large, most of our list here is going to have three players that really highlight the team. So after run TMC, we're going from the Bay down to freaky ass Orlando. <laughs> Never trust Florida. Um, <laughs> right. We have uh, Shaq, Shaq Diesel, and of course, yep. the Shaq attacks, right? You got Penny and the Zoom Flight Ones, some way ups, you know, the Penny One. Now, Penny One was later, but. Yeah, yeah like he, way he up. Been in like the the LWP, mm-hmm. the like go LWP, the Lombaste, which is a low version of that. I want to say he was in like the the um yeah, like the flight one at that time. That first that first like year or two that he was there, right, with Shaq. There was definitely some heat, but I think I think I always forget that that Horace Grant was on that team, you know, towards the end of that little run. So he was he was always wearing something too. You also had Nick Anderson. Couldn't make a free throw, but he could throw on a pair of 11s and 10s and such. That was later on. But yeah, still, right. still Orlando, still classic. <laughs> yeah, I can't really forget about Penny rocking like the Jordan 9 PEs too, right? I'm telling you, I actually forgot about this. Yep. A lot of PEs out there on this list. Um, Mike, you're... Houston Rockets, they had some heat back in 94, 95-ish. Yeah, had, you know, Hakeem and the Etonics, you know, this is like the super high top. I'm looking at like old pictures and these boys are wearing shoes up to their knees. Look like, uh, yeah, the Etonics with Hakeem. Looks like Kenny Smith was wearing a lot of, I don't know, just the, the Ultra Force. I can't remember. I don't know if you guys would be able to, to notice the difference, but they it was either like the, like a lot of, Air Force Twos, bunch of like bunches of old stuff. It's collectively because there was no player besides um, Hakeem with the signature shoe that he had with Etonics. Everyone else wore a lot of you know red, yellow, white, and black PEs. Um, you had some of the guys out there wearing the Shack Attack. Hakeem and Spalding's. Yet Hakeem and his really successful Spalding shoes. <laughs> hey man, was, uh, he tried. He won a championship in him. It's all right. Well, and then he did LA Gear not long after that too. Uh-huh. So in like ninety four, ninety five, he was in LA Gear. Um, mix it up. Yeah. So what you're saying is he was making yeah. moves. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely making moves. Uh, what well, Kenny Kenny Smith probably was rocking some heat back then too. I can't think off the top of my head, but uh, well, he he's. Got traded to the Rockets probably in 89 or 90. Um, maybe yeah, because he was part of both of the, the back-to-back or the back-to-back team, I should say. Yeah, because, he, cause, you know, he he was a Sacramento King before that. Rest in peace. 
um, to his king's career. <laughs> but you know, that's that's what the kings do. I love the kings, but they just tend to um, give away all of their talent at some point every time. But yeah. Anyway, back to the Rockets. Sorry, <laughs> I digress. I digress into my self-defeating Sacramento Kings fan self. <laughs> he got real sad for a moment. They got a chance this year. I hope. They they have a legit chance. Um, <laughs> it's like the Rockets had for a little bit. Man, I then all things fall right apart. Now. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, when you get when you get Fat Chuck, you're kind of at the end of your road. I mean, you got you got you get Fat, fat Chuck and, and tired Scotty Pippen. It's like, all right, guys, we can't. We're done here. But we will say, Did, Chuck did yeah. wear. I didn't realize I saw a picture the other day with Chuck wearing the candy cane Jordan 14s, which I didn't know he wore Jordans. Yeah, there was there were some there were True. good years for sneakers um, there though. Yeah, Clyde Drexler, Drexler. Yep. I was just gonna say that. No. He won a champ. I'm I'm happy he won a championship there. Because much like Sacramento, Portland ain't getting one anytime soon. So good for him. Um because once so the next team on our list is the reason why <laughs> people had to start going to the old ass rockets to try to win and weren't winning on their own the 96 bulls like that team single-handedly denied a many many men an nba championship <laughs> the, the stamp the denied red stamp on top of every application for a championship like, denied it's called the bulls um <laughs> it's true though um scarily true um so you had the worm dennis rodman how do you say this shoe i've never said it right and i've never had to say it publicly on a podcast so the chicken destruct, destruct the yeah you know, the chicken destruct. chicken destruct. Oh, I, I thought you said chicken destruct no shaking this drugs. That's a that's a weird dish. Sounds like you're you're hungry. Yeah, right. Robbie's, Robbie's thinking about dinner right now. <laughs> shake and bake. Um, <laughs> uh, but for real though, is that how you say it? Yeah, shake and destruct. Yeah, that's not what it says, but <laughs> I'll, I'll roll with it. Um, much like Dennis Rodman, a very I'd say a very niche, niche, niche shoe right yeah i mean yeah i think i think all of those guys the the beauty of that whole bulls team is that is that everybody was wearing something that's that people were looking at or looking for and stood out so all of the shoes that they wore got elevated yep because that was the year that scotty had the uh the uptempo 96 with the with the air on the side right like just the big old letters Yes, sir. The air more up tempo. Um, of course, Jordan was at that point in the 11s. That is correct. It's the holy mm. trinity yeah. of shoes and players. Three Hall of Famers, three doing three different things, three very different shoes, all by Nike, all in Chicago. Damn. I mean, that's called a stranglehold on a game. Literally. I mean, you also you also had like like Ron Harper on that team who was always wearing like Team Jordans and Jordans. Tony. Uh, Tony Kukoc, who was always wearing. 
Yeah, he was wearing what Scotty would wear or he'd be wearing like it was it was really dope because back then there was a lot of love between Nike basketball and Jordan brand, right? It hadn't really had like the full separation that we have today. So you had. I mean, even even like Steve Kerr, who else is on that team? Uh, Luke Longley, I remember wearing Jordans at some point. I think he wore Barclays a couple times, too, if I remember right. But I'll have to find some pictures. See, once you get out of the top three or four, it gets a little fuzzy. (laughs) It's tough. Um, In that same era, you got to include the Supersonics of the 96 era. um, The first victim of the second three-peat. I would call him Shrimp Man. I know his name isn't Shrimp Man. <laughs> that left shrimp, whatever was it? Yeah, that left shrimp. <laughs> yep. De La Fresh? Is that what you said? That left shrimp. <laughs> One of the first really stretch white guys in the league, like pure stretch white guys. Um and like most white guys back then, he had the Adidas The Four on, which I've been looking through these slam magazines I got from one of our listeners. And there's tons of ads with Shrimp Man wearing the, the four Adidas. And it's like, man, he was selling that shoe. <laughs> yeah, it's actually crazy, though, because like that 95 Sonics team, right, had Datliff, Gary Payton and Sean Kemp were all all stars. Yeah, which, you know, everybody, everybody talks about the Warriors cheating because they had a bunch of all stars. But like, that's kind of the, the nature of like winning teams, in my opinion. But yeah. see the Bulls, the last team before three. Um, and then, I mean, again, I'm still I'm still a no Bach boy, but I respect the Kamikaze too, worn by Sean Kent back then. Yeah, that's, that's a classic. That's iconic. A good yeah. And then Gary Payton. Yeah. But pre-signature Gary. We're talking like the way up and Flight 95 Gary at this time. But the Gary line would be very good. I'm so weird, man. It's like I was I'll call it the Gary. I'll never call it the glove or the Paytons. It's just the Gary shoes. GP. And I think of Patrick SpongeBob's little (laughs) (laughs) Oh jeez. What year? What do we got? What year is next? Sorry, I'm all over the place tonight. Um, but I mean, <laughs> I skip personally into the early 2000s. Uh-huh. Oh, well, because we well, nothing well, else matters. I'm just the, I guess early 2000s. Let's start with well, the, you, I, I kind of cheated though because I had the 99 through 2002 Lakers since they were the three P team, and it seems to make sense because you had Kobe Bryant and his his Kobe ones with Adidas, the the Audi styled. Like foam posit esque sneaker. Uh, you had Derek Fisher still rocking the up tempos. And then you had, I think at this point, Shaq was in his own shoe. I think this is when he started his own brand, right? Unless I'm wrong. He was in Shaq shoes. Shaq shoes. I mean, can't name them. And just Shaq shoes. It's fine. <laughs> but then you also had guys like Tyron Lue on the team, uh, Robert Ory, Ron Harper. I mean, everyone had. You know, I think everything just kind of looks cool in that I'm not like the biggest Lakers fan, but I think that the color scheme looks pretty dope. Their PE being the the golden 
white, gold, and purple is pretty dope on the shoe. So I want to back up just a little bit because there was one shoe that I forgot that Detlef Shrimp wore, and that was the uh, Adidas <laughs> Equipment Basketball, which, to my knowledge, was the first shoe that ever had like a fully removable like sock liner in it. It was wild at the time. It was it was super bulky, but it basically had like like the three stripes were in, integrated into kind of like this like TPU cage that wrapped over the forefoot. But then you could swap out the colors of the sock liner with different colors. So like let's say you got a white or a white and black, black whatever shoe, then you could buy like the different colors. So you could change it from like a teal to an orange to a red to a white. Cause the sock liner was totally removable. It's pretty dope. Oh, dang, it's dope. Yeah, know, they uh, did. That actually that's super sick. I forget when it came out again, but like undefeated and some of the other boutique stores got collabs a few years back, probably like oh maybe oh seven, oh eight or something like that, came back as a retro and they got to do some collabs. I'll try to grab some pictures of some of them. I don't think I, I don't think I have a pair anymore, but it was a crazy shoe. But anyway, sorry. No, I mean, didn't want to pass that up because it was just, I just, it popped into my head and I was like, damn, I had that shoe for a while. So, no, that's a fantastic share. (laughs) So, this next one's super random, but it is undoubtedly like top five favorite teams for me. And I'm going to go with the 03 Mavericks, the 0203 Dallas Mavericks. You had, Steve Nash rocking the jet flight, the Nike jet flights, one of the more unique designs I think ever in Nike basketball that gets like zero love. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. I think this is like one of the first shoes where, I mean, maybe it's the name, but just visually it looks fast to me. It does. Super low profile. Um, People make all the, the hoopla about the Kobe four being low, but that was a low shoe. Like that thing was designed for Steve Nash to <laughs> pump fake a three pointer dribble drive, hand off to Dirk, Dirk flush, like very, very unique shoe. Um, and then you have his running mate, Dirk Nowitzki wearing some serious uptempo heat. That was like in that weird era of Nike basketball where like, the quote unquote good up tempos or like the really famous ones were like a good five, seven going on 10 years in the past that he was rocking like the up tempo sensations, up tempo premiere, up tempo max, which are just full grain pebble leather beauties. Like those shoes kick ass, all three of them. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, Dirk, Dirk kind of like, he, I think Dirk kind of had like an underrated sneaker game because I, I think a lot of this era is like super underrated to me personally, but also everything went towards like the the flight 2K3, uh, the more like, I mean, what, isn't this like, like what era, what else is in this futuristic era? yeah like all the futuristic stuff became like the like standard like the ultra flight so so dirk didn't typically wear any of that because that was you know a more of a guard shoe right so i think like he got like the like right after like 
that like oh three oh four Derek Fisher in up tempos kind of era right in LA and then Dirk kind of took the up tempo stuff. I, I mean, I don't really remember who else wore up tempos right now, like in this era. Like Dirk is like the guy, right? I'm sure there's other people that I'm he just forgetting. He 100% is. On many levels, he's the guy. But when it comes to the <laughs> up tempos, yeah. I also think like shocks sensation. Oh, yeah. Like there's a lot of this weird, cool basketball shoes. Um, so this next one, same team, Nick Van Exel. And, and we talked about the Adidas Pro model coming back a couple episodes ago. Go about five episodes back, podcast listeners, and you'll find it. Um, he would rock all white on white Pro models with white knee high socks. Just like Danny Trejo style on the court. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. We got to show some love to that one. But the real star, the real star of that team is Michael Finley with some of the most underrated Jordan PEs in all of the Jordan catalog. All the athletes, he has some really freaking fantastic heat. He had, I mean, just to start it off in that kind of weird time for Jordan brand, rocking 18s, 18.5s. The new two, the NU two, he had a PE of those. He's out there rocking. Um, what else do I have here? Air Jordan 12 PEs. Yeah, everything. I had a Jordan 8 back then too. A couple of Jordan 8s actually. Yeah. So it's, a, it's Just, a little bit later. So it's a little bit later, but 2000, like whatever, 2005 when the 20 came out, I would argue that he had one of the like best PEs of that shoe. The Jordan 20 was like, he had like the, he had like the white and navy and gray versions. Oh man. Definitely would love they to were have sick. A Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. And we'll get some more 20 love here later on the list. But um, <laughs> kind of doing a little pivot one year later, the most failed big three or big four super team, whatever you want to call it. Um, the 0304 Lakers. You had, I would say, you can't even argue it, the most interesting sneaker season of all time, the Kobe free agency. That's when that was going on. Kobe rocking everything under the sun. Like, literally, Jordans, 7s, 8s, 3s, Hirachis, Reeboks, Westons. I mean, he did whatever he wanted to, and he he had all the brands thirsty. Reebok question. Yeah. Very powerful time. He had Carl Malone, and I say a top five worst shoe ever, the Dada C-dubs. <laughs> He rocked that shoe all season, man. <laughs> he rocked that shoe beginning to end. He rocked the C-dubs. <laughs> Did he rock the chrome one? Yeah. No, he had Laker PEs. But, you know, he, he had... He no, I was going to rock that shit away. Like, if you... <laughs> it's like... Then you had, what? Yeah, Gary Payton, yeah. Jordans, that actually were going to start coming out here soon, looks yeah, like. Gary in the 12s. We have that all over our Instagram right now. Um, yeah, Gary with just <laughs> 18.5s, also, um, just really dope Jordans. I actually I ran into Gary about five, six times in my life, and 
he was looking at the Jordan wall when I was working at Foot Locker and he bought like four pairs of Jordans. And it's like, man, he paid me money for a long time. I only wear Jordans now. And this was like 2012. So this is like the height of yeah, retro Jordans. <laughs> but Gary. I like his. Right. I'm going to say that's yeah, mad respect. Loyalty. That's like Allen Iverson showing up to Kobe's last game wearing a Kobe t-shirt. Like MJ sunned you and you still respect him and buy his shoes with your own money. That's real. That's some like OD shit. <laughs> Shout out to Gary Payton. He's amazing. Um, always a good quote too. If you want like a really out there quote, Gary Payton's your guy. Um, we're going to hop about five years in the future and we're going to keep it really Lakers on this list. I would say the 09 championship <laughs> Lakers where you had Powell wearing hyperizes and hyperdunks much like Dirk did with the up-tempos back in the day, Powell was like exclusively hyperdunks, and like that line was his. But everybody else on the team rocked Kobe 4s, from Fisher to Shannon Brown to Trevor Ariza, Lamar Odom. The whole squad was rocking Kobe 4s. And I think that's like the coolest thing when the entire team gets behind their stars and it looks good. They're all wearing the same. Jersey, Luke Walton was on that team wearing Kobe fours. Um, just yeah, everybody Kobe'd out. It looked really cool. That's super yes, respectful your, your whole team to be wearing your shoe. That's how you know you're something great. That's why Dwight Howard couldn't hang, man. Because it's like Kobe. Kobe expects X from you, but when the admiration is met, you wear his shoes. Like not. It's not that simple, but just like that was a squad. Like Lamar Odom and Kobe were boys. Powell and Kobe were boys. Like very, very tight knit group, that Laker team. Um, yep. So then, Mike, we, we kind of both did this one. Yeah, the 2012 Heat. I'll let you touch on the, the more yeah. important guys, but we have to talk about Ray Allen on Christmas Day in 2012. He, in one game, Went from red and green Air Jordan 18 PEs to red and green Air Jordan 20 PEs. Freshest thing. Dude, yeah, then he had the... Dude, he is, his Jordan PE game is... I mean, it's been solid forever, but... I mean, he just came up with some... Some heat when he had the... What was it? The, the 28 was the one with the, with the shroud. He had, like, the all-white... With the gold, uh, it was all white leather shroud on it with the gold accents. I think he wore that in the uh, in the championship series against the Spurs, uh, and that's when he he drained that shot in the corner. But then you also had LeBron. I think at this point he was wearing the he wearing the, the LeBron ten at this point. D Wade was this the first year to Ling Ning? No, it's the Fly Wade. Or was his last year? He rocked the flyweight. He's still a fly. Okay. Okay. I couldn't remember if he rocked the flyweight or he wore the lean ink. I thought he, I, for some reason, I thought he won a championship in every shoe, every brand shoe he played in. Um, that team was like ridiculous. Um, like, I mean, like I said, you had LeBron already in his 10 signature model, and you had still D Wade rocking the flyways. Not the most, uh, not the most popular shoe in the world, but I mean, 
still Jordan. He has some great, great player additions. So you have the guys with Mike Miller. You have was Birdman on that team. You did have Birdman. Um, yeah, Bob. Yeah, you can kind of mix Mike. Like you said Mike Miller already. You can kind of mix those two seasons together because in the 2012 champion, a lot of the kind of like Kobe, a lot of the Heat role players were wearing either LeBron nine elites with LeBron, or he was wearing, or they were wearing mm-hmm. um, Hyperdunk 2011 elites like Chris Bosh was. So it's like, yeah, if you don't remember the 2011 Hyperdunk elite. There's a whole series between the Kobe seven, LeBron nine, and that hyperdunk. And it's pretty much gold and carbon fiber thrown on everything. And they were super dope. They ripped really fast though. So I had a pair of the hyperdunks and they I'm not athletic and I and I blew them out. So the whole squad wearing either hyperdunks or that sexy ass LeBron nine elite elite. Did, did Chris Bosch wear that? Remember they came out with that? I can't remember. There's that foam. It was, it was like, was it like the hyper Hyperposit. Yes. Was he wearing those? Because I thought he had this, he wore a Statue of Liberty pair one time. That was the next season. That was 2013 oh, okay. when they lost. Gotcha. Okay. I remember the shoe. I was like, man, I like this shoe, but I'm, is this for me for a really big person? It's made for a very, yeah, power forwards. <laughs> Kind of like yeah. the evolution, right? Of this like weird big man shoes. Yeah. The hyperposite. Amari Stoudemire wore them a lot. Yeah. Just a very unique foam posit and Air Max shoe. Um, we also have, so the Heat's main rival during that time, the San Antonio Spurs. If you just want to touch base on 2013 Spurs in the finals, Kawhi Leonard wore Air Force Maxes the entire finals, which was super weird. Like it came out of nowhere. He wore foam. He wore foam posits too, in the beginning, like in like the regular season, like the the, the stealth foam posits. Oh yeah, uh, he was really in his. He was in his San Diego State bag because when he was played at FBSU, he had all the shoes, and when he was getting beat by LeBron he had all the shoes on too. A lot of, sl- a lot of slept on stuff there. Wasn't Ginobili wearing but then, LeBron's at that time? Yep. So the 2013, 14 Spurs, he had Manu wearing the prism LeBron tens for the most of the season. And that was like his go-to shoe. You had Danny green rocking soldier sixes, which is a super slept on soldier shoe. I had a pair of those, <laughs> uh, Really lightweight. I almost said really cheap feeling, but they're really cheap feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. They were che- they were cheap price point, so you you get what you pay for. But they had Zoom Air and the four foot and heel. They were nice. Um, you had Tony Parker rocking some of his early peak stuff. Oh. I believe it was the TP one or two. I think it was the TP two at that point. Um, and then the captain of the ship, Tim Duncan, um, <laughs> rocking the crazy fast, which he in fact was not, and the crazy quick, which he also was not, um, Adidas. <laughs> but he was rocking them. He had some really good crazy quick PEs, um, even though he was crazy slow. But he had 
you know, he's still crazy good for a bucket. So it didn't matter. But uh, that Spurs team was very slept on in, in, in this in the sneaker game. It's kind of crazy that Tony Parker had, mm-hmm. what, seven or eight shoes with peak. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a pretty solid run. They're still making peaks, I think. This one last year, I haven't seen a new one for this season, but they're still going strong. Yeah, it's crazy. Secure the bag. Hey, man, yeah. you get and he's French, though. So, like, Europeans, they mess around with, like, uh, hookups jerseys and, like, weird stuff. So, like, <laughs> whatever. Kappa. <laughs> I think like a... I think I'm like a Bosnian man wearing like a Kappa polo shirt and like hookups pants. <laughs> but never mind. I mean, uh, like the, the, the one from 20, I think 2017 or 2018, like the TP6, like the last shoe I think I remember him playing in was pretty dope though, right? Like it didn't have the, uh, it didn't have like the crazy peak, ugly peak logo, right? Like the peak, that's the problem with a lot of those brands is like they put a logo on the shoe and it just doesn't flow with the shoe. But you mean it's not a swoosh and it looks bad? Oh, there's a big triangle they put on the side of a shoe. It looks silly. I mean, it's just like Under Armour, right? Like Under Armour peak, leaning. Like when they throw the logo on the side of the shoe, it's, 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 uh, I guess like stagnant in a sense. You could get away with it with like the Reebok Vector logo looks, you know, has some motion to it. Like even the three stripes can have motion, you know, a, a more forward feel the swoosh obviously yeah. does there's a lot of brands that do have a way to make it fit the, the you know like the faster looking shoe or the like more you know i don't know if that's the right way to put it but i just feel like that more fluid look. yeah more fluid like for tony parker that i think it's a six I'm pretty sure was the one that kind of it kind of reminded me of like a hardened shoe or something right but it had a, a he had like his cool signature logo in the heel um yeah, I thought that one was pretty dope. Not mad at it. It, it definitely was. The problem with those... No, go ahead. No, oh, no, I'm just saying that was my comments. I was mad at it. Because I think... Uh, I saw someone do a review on it. It was like the... the I don't know if it was like an all-star edition. But like the multicolored uh, deal. had like the prisms all over it. That was pretty cool. Not, not something I would buy, but I respected it. That's the TP7 with all the zigzags and stuff on it uh, okay um i mean they're dope nick your point about them looking like stagnant it just reminds you that it's that brand and that's why it looks bad <laughs> i mean is this like oh this, this, this looks good let me rotate it oh sh- oh damn it it's peak and then you, <laughs> and then you promptly put it down <laughs> but i mean to that point when the um, Anta Clay Thompson two came out, they someone photoshopped all these different like the Adidas three stripes and the Nike swoosh on top of it, and it looked way better with a swoosh than it ever looked with the Anta. It's 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 funny. Well, as, you, as you know, it's a joke. Everyone's yeah. reducing that logo to nothing now. And like Curry barely has a logo on his shoes. Uh, Clay Thompson's like was it the KT five now barely has a logo besides the tongue. Uh, everyone's reducing it because they they've all figured out their logos aren't good to be thrown on the side of a shoe because just like Nick said they're just stagnant looking. The hot take on that is that with Under Armour, people who buy an Under Armour basketball shoe 
are not like, oh man, I'm a diehard Under Armour fan. I need the new Under Armour basketball kicks. They're like, I'm a Clay, not Clay. I'm a Steph Curry fan. I want the new Steph Curry shoes. So the least amount of UA they can put on there and the maximum amount of SC, the better. Whoever is designing those shoes, that's the tip. Yeah, I agree. 100% agree with that. But Mike, you have the the last shoes on the list, the the most recent, the league-breaking Golden State Warriors. Yep. Old 73 and 9 Golden State Warriors. I mean, you had, oh, God, what was that? 15, 16? So you had, mm, Steph was not in a... And a good Under Armour at that time. I think that was like the Curry. I want to say it's like the, the Curry Three, which is 2015, 2016. That's like the Curry Three. And it was a that was a atrocious. You're right. I'm wrong. Hey, double check. No, you're right. But then you had I think I think at this point was this the season that Draymond broke out the off white hyperdunk. I think that was the year that Off-White started becoming a thing. I want to say that was the year he broke out the Off-White Hyperdunk. Then he had pretty... Draymond, as much as I don't like him, had some dope uh, some dope Warriors PEs for all his... Uh, I think he, drew, he wore the Hyper-Rev a lot. Hyper-Rev and Hyper-Dunk. And then who else do we have on that team? Clay Thompson, Stolens, KT. Um, again, it's one of those... like They actually put pretty solid designs. It just wasn't a big Anta fan. Um, I think it had an all gold colorway for the finals that year, which was pretty sick. It was like gold and white. Mm-hmm. Those, those are dope. And that might be like KT2. I think it was a KT2. Um, Icky had a bunch of uh, Nike PEs. I mean, it was everyone. That, that team is so scattered. I think that's why I picked it because not only did they win 73 games, but everybody had their own style. Like not, not each not one person or not, no, I'm sorry, not two people wore the same sneakers as someone else on the court seemed like. It was pretty cool. It looks like Andre Godal was wearing the Crusaders when he Crusaders. won his NBA Finals MVP award. I don't know why I thought he was wearing KDs. Could they look like him? I mean, they look like yeah, they do look a lot alike. Oh, and okay. I think Steph oh, was run the ones. Sorry. S- same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like both those shoes look so similar. You would you unless you were like actually playing in them, you probably wouldn't even really know the difference. But wasn't I I, I think Steph was actually in like the the two Three or two point five or something. For the oh, second. I think it's the well, one. Oh, let's see. No, because th- tell me what yeah, well, the three was like the really like boring looking one, right? Yeah, it was straight up. A, it, it looked terrible. I feel confident that is it is the Steph Curry SC one. The two looks way better than the one. The two is the best looking one. Well, I'm, I won't open up that can of worms, but. It's the yeah, it's the Curry one because they're playing the Cavs. Two point five. Oh. Yeah, two. That's what it is. Two point five, because it was a little bit. It it was like they made like special edition seventy three win shoes for Curry, yeah. for Clay, 
uh, I don't know if anybody else got them. I feel like I feel like uh, Iguodala got something right. There was like a special shoe for him, but it was more of like an MVP shoe. Oh, there was. I can't remember. I remember the two. Actually, it's not it's not back. It was just pretty much a uh, just a techie version of the one. Who who else is on that seventy three and nine squad? Andrew Bogut. Uh, you had Sean Livingston. Bogut was on that squad. Mo Speets. He's just playing probably in what Hyperdome. Yeah, or Harrison something. Barnes and was it was it uh, Yeah, I was on the team. Crazy quicks for Harrison Barnes. Sean Livingston. I don't know if you said Sean already. Bring back the Afro, Sean. Now that now that you're retired, bring back the Afro. Grow. This is Afro ridiculous back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty solid squad though. Yeah. I mean, footwear wise, I, mean, I I like it too because there's just a lot of diversity to it. Yeah, everyone has something different, which is super cool. The Warriors will have that for a hot minute. Well, maybe not because Clay didn't Anta drop Clay. No, for they're the not doing any more contracts. They, no, oh. there's no, no more contract extension. But luckily for Clay, he got his contract extension handled well in advance. So he's set for another few years. So they're just not doing anything new. He secured the bag. So if you're an up and coming player, you're not getting a you're not getting an Anta deal for a hot minute. Oh no. <laughs> yeah so i don't know it's tough to say like i mean obviously nostalgia for me gets me like in the you know the bulls and the magic and and even like the early warriors teams um we didn't talk about the kings but like the kings like 2001 ish pretty solid roster i know robbie doesn't like the c dubs but you know all the bibby pe's yeah bibby pe's and bobby jackson um, let's hear from everyone that's listening like what what which one of these squads well first off which which squads did we miss that that deserve a shout out on this list because clearly it's tough to go over you know we're only we're only recording for about an hour so it's tough to go over every team and there's there's plenty that probably could uh could slide in here and replace and let us know what you think let us know who 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 needs to be added to the list or who was your favorite from the list and um yeah, like we'll we'll be posting some pictures from from all these over the you know the course of the next couple of days on Instagram. So hopefully you guys can drop us a comment on there too and and let us know what you think. That pretty much wraps it up for this episode. As we said in the beginning, if you have some time, we would greatly appreciate you taking a couple of minutes to drop us a review on iTunes. It really helps us kind of spread the message and get the word out and get more listeners to the podcast and build this community here. So. Um, my name is Nick Engvall. You can follow me at Nick Engvall on all platforms. Fellas, how can they find you? Yeah, you can find me sitting here waiting in my mailbox for Travis Scott to mail me uh, a free pair of Jordan 6s. Um, you can also find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. Robbie, where you at, buddy? You can find me at R-A-H-B-E-E-702 on all major platforms. Right on. We appreciate all of you listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Bye. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. Before you take off, I want to ask a few favors. First, if you're listening this long, I'm going to assume that you're enjoying the show. Consider joining us on Patreon for as little as five bucks a month. It's a big help to keep this podcast going, and we drop exclusive episodes every week on our Patreon page. 
Second, consider leaving us an honest review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate the feedback, and it also helps us grow the community that tunes in for the podcast. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. It goes a long way and can really make a difference in someone's day. Once again, we appreciate you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.